Welcome to Two Vets Chewing the Fat. Two Vets acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that this podcast is recorded on. Animal health has become overcomplicated. We want to help you navigate through the reams of misinformation and empower you to take charge of your animal's health to live happier, healthier and longer lives. Join Dr Ash and Dr Sina getting together and sharing decades of experience as veterinarians, answering your questions, debunking myths and unveiling the secret world of vet. All the while having a laugh, chewing the fat. And don't forget to always seek the advice of your pet's veterinarian as advice given here is of a general nature and does not replace a physical examination. Please note, occasional coarse language may slip out. Hi, and welcome to our fourth podcast. I'm having a lot of fun doing these, Ash. How about you? Oh, it's just getting funner and funner. I love chewing the fat with you scenes. <laughs> as always, as always. So last podcast, we touched base on the cost of um, veterinary care for our pets. And we mentioned that we really wanted to talk about ways that we can mitigate and manage or re reduce our veterinary costs in this podcast. So that's our discussion today. And I think the main thing is that we want to try and control the controllable things. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Hmm. So where do you reckon we start with that, Ash? I think that if you take it back to the very beginning, the first and most important choice is the type of pet. So, um, you know, mm -hmm. cat, dog, et cetera, rabbit, guinea pig, and the breed of that pet. It essentially sets the whole pathway rolling, you know. Um, you need to assess honestly and realistically your finances and what you can budget per year in your um, life for a pet and also what you're willing to sacrifice. So if it doesn't quite meet up, you know, what would you or would you be able to give up and what can't you give up? Um, that'll really, yeah, that'll really alter it all. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I was listening to an interesting stat the other day just talking about how there are certain breeds that are more expensive. So doing some research prior to even getting your dog or understanding, you know, I can see a dog in the park and it looks really cute and fun, but do a little bit of background research to work out exactly what costs may come with that dog. Mm -hmm. um, just as a, as a bit of an example, there's a, so insurance company in the UK that did a whole lot of research and looked through all the data. So on their database, they have, you know, tens of thousands of, of pets. So they've got this massive number of pets. Mm -hmm. And they had a look at and had a look to see which breeds are the most expensive breeds. So those that uh, actually had more insurance claims mm. and what were those claims for. And in particular, you know, there's certain breeds that do stand out. One of the ones as an example is the French Bulldog, which is a gorgeous, lovely, beautiful dog and, you know, very sweet. But you do need to understand that you will find that your insurance premiums will be at least probably double most of other dogs and that's because they have a lot of 
respiratory, neurological, dermatological, eye problems, and gastrointestinal problems. So there's and spinal as well. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, exactly. That stat doesn't come as a surprise to us, scenes, does it? On you know, on the ground, so to speak. You know, we see them in as our frequent flyers. Absolutely, but we do have owners that come in with them as pups and they're completely shocked that this might be the case with their new dog that they're expecting to be perfect. Mm. Um, breeders yes, may I tell know. you something different, yes. uh, but, you know, all we're looking at is the facts and the science and the numbers. Uh, and certainly that to me is a lot stronger evidence than someone's emotional bias. Yes, and you've already outlaid, you know, maybe upwards of $10,000 for this pet. And so that's also taking a big chunk out of potential um, medical budget for the future, or that could even probably be their whole insurance budget for the lifetime. So, and if you can afford it, that's not, you know, it's not a problem. It's going in with eyes wide open. 100%. As to what you're truly getting. Um, yeah. I, know, I find really interesting way to have a look and to see what you may expect to pay for your pet is jump onto a, any of the insurance calculators mm. and put in the breeds and see what the difference is in the premium like yeah. that will give you a good indication whether you've got a dog that's a pretty sturdy dog and yeah. unlikely to have many medical uh, issues mm. as compared to something that's going to cost a lot and that those medical expenses are likely to be much higher not always but yeah. um you know we get insurance in, and we don't want to use it, but we have it just in case. Yeah, yeah. And look, other things to keep in mind, uh, size of the dog, for example, your Newfoundlands, they're beautiful, but, mm -hmm. you know, they're five times the size of a standard dog, which often comes with higher medical costs, surgery costs, everything takes longer, they need higher volumes. Um, and, again, if you can manage that, that's great. There's many different breeds and they've all got their um, pros and cons and um, beautiful natures. So it's just about finding the right one for you. Absolutely. Um, you know, the other consideration is a purebred versus a mixed breed versus mm. a rescue dog. Uh, they're all going to come with different, you know, different issues, different concerns and and so forth. So the, the big point is do your research. Yeah. Have a look at the breed. Have an understanding don't just talk to the breeder. Mm. Talk to somewhere where you've actually got some hard hard numbers and figures that are going to tell you what are your potential costs going to be. Yeah, and ask us, ask your vet. I can honestly tell you that if anyone said to me, I'm thinking about getting a French bulldog or a pug or an Aussie bulldog, what do you think? I, my honest answer would be I hope you love seeing me, you know, regularly every couple of months and you know, that you love visiting the vet and you've got deep pockets. And if that's the case, go for your life. I don't know a single vet that has gotten these puppies from a puppy. They've always gotten them from a rescue when they've been surrendered, unfortunately, due to ballooning costs that people can't, um, you know, pay for. So ask your vet. Most of us will give you a very honest bit kind you know guidance as to what if that's a good fit for you yeah absolutely and for some people they are good fits and I'm all for it as I said if you if you like coming to see me that's fine <laughs> which sounds, you know, sounds terrible but it, it's it is really the truth of it yeah 
Um, so along with, okay, so now we've got our dog and we've chosen our particular breed. Or cat. We, we or cat. cat. Exactly. They're more Absolutely. affordable and, and hardy. Definitely. And the next thing I think we want to talk about is if we want to try and reduce their costs. So we've got this pet, we've bought it home. How can we have some control over what's going on to slow down and reduce costs ongoing? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people feel a bit either helpless or rudderless in this and um, yeah, I'm here to tell you, and you are as well, Seems that they do have much more control over it than they think. Just like our own health, there's things that we can control and can't. I'm extremely passionate about this, one from my own health issues along the way and also my animal's health. Um, and it comes down to, you know, preventative medicine versus reactive medicine and if a little bit regularly to try to keep them in the best health possible will reduce those big um, bills where you've got a lot of things um, that have gotten out of control. Hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So on, on that, I'd say the number one thing. So, you know, there's a few things in dogs. Genetics, you get what you get, you choose what you get. Then you've got environment and we've got diet and stuff. So a good diet and good nutrition is super important. And there is definitely not a one-size-fits-all, you know, because different pets, just like different people, have different requirements and different needs. And you've done a lot of research on this recently, Scenes, with your additional qualifications, Dale. Yeah, I do. I've recently had my certification in uh, natural animal nutrition, which has been a really good insight. Um, And probably one of my key points and one of my take-home points is with with that course that I did and it was all about providing uh, raw and natural diets for pets uh, is that it's not easy to get a fully nutritional balanced diet. It can definitely be done and if wanting to go down the path of feeding your dog a natural and raw diet, you want to do that. Um, Vets, most vets, well, Actually, some vets can help you <laughs> do that because that we I, I actually use a, a software um, uh, calculator to help me make sure that these diet, diets are balanced. So it's very hard to do it by guess, guesstimation. In fact, it's uh, impossible. And that's, you know, a big eye-opener is, you know, you did my own cat's uh, diet when he was going through some health issues and there wasn't, a commercially available product um, for him. And I think the thoughts are that you just throw a few things together and that's it. But that's really not it at all, is it? Oh, far from it, far from it. And other pets are going to have different needs. So if you've got a, an older pet, you might need to have a look at, okay, how do I best support their joints? How do I reduce inflammation? How do I um, look after their their body weight? Mm-hmm. So that's there's a lot to unwrap in there and probably a lot more than we can discuss just in this podcast it's another one maybe for down the track um but I also come from an era where I used to see a lot of nutritional imbalances and deficiencies causing disease in pets Mm -hmm. and to so a lot of calcium deficiencies or vitamin a toxicities and stuff and so there are things if you're not feeding pets 
properly and you want to do a balancing that will cause disease and pain and suffering. Mm. Um, so number one thing is a complete and balanced diet. Yeah. And we can help you in however that looks, yes. whether it's a prepared diet, you know, you do get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is body weight, you know, yeah. Huge. It's a conversation that we don't like having with people about their pets because people can get quite emotional if their pet is overweight. But obesity is a massive contributor to poor health and disease in pets. Yeah, not unlike our humans, you know, our human counterparts. Um, I think most people would be very aware that it's the leading um, the leading causes of disease in humans are often preventable with good diet. Um, whether that be diabetes, cardiovascular disease, um, worsening of osteoarthritis, um, and essentially so your good choices for your pet are going to affect their disease states, their happiness, their health, and their longevity. It's as simple as that. And you're in control of that. I'm not saying it's easy, but we're in control of it. Yeah, 100%. Um, so moving on from, from the nutrition side of it, and I guess it's kind of intertwined, is dental health because that is a, a big thing that we see a lot of uh, in our pets. So, yeah, yeah. You know, mm, so I guess, you know, there's a whole lot of maintenance things that go on. So there's genetics in some. Some pets are definitely more prone to dental things. Uh, there's diet, there's chewing, there's the things that we can control. So, Ash, what do you specifically do for mm. your pets to look yeah. after their dental care? I do a bit of a mixture, actually. So I've um, got two dogs, a geriatric uh, whippet, I've got a puppy, and I have a geriatric cat. Um, so I think cats, obviously, they're a lot harder because their mouth is smaller their um, level of willingness to have their teeth brush is a lot less. And I think all of them get in early, start early, get your good practices happening um, because the way they chew is developed from a young age. And so with the puppy, for example, I've got him learning on teething toys and then we've upgraded to more softer chews and then we're heading towards pig's ears and and then eventually um you know we'll get to to raw bones which is a topic for another day there's a lot of contention yep. around that one um with my geriatric girl i've done all of those things but whippet has genetic tendencies for um gingivitis and plaque accumulation so i have to work a lot harder with her and finger brushing um, is my go-to there. Not as good as I would like as a human being with a busy household. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. Um, but then I put some things in their water to have a bit of a safety net and, um, you know, make that enamel a little more slippery for the attachment of plaque and debris. Um, and I find that a combination of factors works for me rather than one thing. And it'll get harder as you get older and Ava's had to have scale and polishes. Um, but no teeth out. So, you know, she's that's got that, all her yeah. teeth. <laughs> that's the maintenance side of it, isn't it? So, um, yeah, like, you know, we're often told you know, that the number one thing that you should be doing is brushing your dog's teeth every day, which is fantastic if you can do it. Yeah. I know I am pretty time poor and there's no way that I'm going to brush my dog's teeth every day, which is, you know, I'd probably, you know, admitting to that. But I'm, I'm oh, the same. I do 
Yeah, I do a combination of things with my dogs, um, you know, chewing on on firm chews. So we have got like some rue tendons and the um, moo chews, which are like cow esophagus, things that are dried out. Anything that they're going to have to crunch and chew on. I've even got from Kmart, it's just a little dental chew, cactusy thing that I shove some dry treats in every now and again. Mm-hmm. And the physical action of actually chewing and grinding and on anything like that, is going to help. So the more things, the mm-hmm. better. Yes. Um, playing with a teddy bear and, you know, having that in their mouth every now and again is going to help to remove some of the plaque off their teeth. Every now and again, um, certainly some of the the dental biscuits for the cats I will use at times, so the TD bickies and the greenie treats. Love uh, the greenies. Greenies are fabulous, but my cats also love chewing on dehydrated chicken breast, and that's just a harder option for them to crunch and chew on that's going to help keep their teeth clean. Mm. Um, I have a look in their mouth on a regular basis. Yeah. If there's talcum there, you know, Ali's had a couple of scale and polishes. Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that I'm onto things early so that she does still have all her teeth. And I suppose important. that's a little bit easier for us to say as vets to say, okay, well, we'll look in our pet's mouths. But a lot of clinics, including our own, do do free nurse dental checks. And so yep. make sure that you check in with um your local clinic and see if they do offer this advice. Um, A lot of them do and the nurses are very well trained. Yep, definitely. And, you know, you can often see the front of the mouth, but getting towards the back and having a look at the back of the mouth is some sometimes quite difficult. So that's, you know, another thing that one of those dental checks and getting a professional in to have a look is a great idea. Your annual checkup is a fantastic time to do it um, yep. for your older pets because they do things change and decline a little bit more quickly than probably a, a biannual check is what you need to do to have a look and, and look after their teeth. Yeah, and the reason we're talking about all of these preventative things is because, as we know, anyone who's had a dental procedure in at the clinic is aware that they're costly. And they're costly because they require general anaesthesia. And if it's gotten to extraction phase, well, they take a lot of time. And just like your human dentist, um, there is a lot of skill, equipment and time involved to do this in a manner that is makes it as comfortable for them as possible. Um, but we really want to intervene before that time so that you can manage your costs. Yeah, because that early detection comes to early treatment, better outcomes and less pain and yep. less cost. Mm-hmm. So it, it does all certainly add up. Win-win for all, isn't it? 100%. The um, I guess every now and again something's going to happen and you're going to have some unexpected costs. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're running in the park and a dog does his cruciate ligament or something happens, your cat gets into a fight and you've got an abscess or your dog gets hit by a car, you know, goodness, hopefully that never happens. But these things do sometimes happen. Yeah, medical um, issues like pancreatitis, other things like that, cancers potentially. For sure. So what are your tips, Ash, for dealing with unexpected costs? Yeah, I mean, I think payment plans are something that the clinics um, often offer through third-party providers like um, HUM, for example, and so inquiring regarding um, that I think is always um, worthwhile. 
Um, yeah, I think things have changed a lot recently in having these sort of uh, short-term no-interest loans mm. to, to people. So you can often jump on, apply and get a response really quickly with some of these companies. Within 15 uh, so, minutes, really, really straightforward. Yeah, and it doesn't, you don't get those ongoing insurance or, you know, um, uh, interest rates as long as you make your payments as you're supposed to. So, yeah. And you don't need a credit card. So if you're in a situation where, you know, I know a lot of people these days are trying to limit their credit card use so that they've got more control over their money and so you don't have to do that. Um, and, you know, as much as vet clinics want to help out with um as much as they can, we're mostly independent small business and we're just uh, not in a position to be able to um, forward credit to large numbers of people um, if we want to stay in business. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that you can do is have a chat to your family, see if there's any family that are in a position to be able to to help out. Um, they're often a, a good source for, for some people. Uh, and there are also some low-cost charity veterinary clinics around. So if you're really in a in a dire way and you, and you do need some help, so we have in Melbourne the Second Chance Animal Rescue Hospital out in Craigieburn, um, Lord Smith, uh, RSPCA, and other states in the big cities they'll have their own groups. Mm. Um, yeah, and they but- do such a good job, don't they? You know, they really do. Um, it takes such a lot of dedication um, to offer it. And they're not um, cheap clinics, though, are they, Sina? They're, you know. No, absolutely not. They offer the care that's needed. And I think it's important that to realise that they're charities or non-for-profits, a lot of these groups, and they can only provide the level of care that they do at a lower cost because they heavily rely on public donations and mm-hmm fundraising and also as strongly supported by volunteers. Yeah, essentially subsidising it really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Private, private subsidisation. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, we There's also uh, like Pet Medical Crisis, which is a group that was founded to uh, support pensioners and, and disadvantaged owners to meet some high costs as they come up. So that's a group that if you have an unexpected high cost you can actually apply for assistance in paying your vet bills. And I know up to up to now, I think they've donated over a million dollars mm. to assist a lot of people with the emotional support and for urgent vet care for their pets. So that's another option if, if that's needed. Yeah. And just, yeah, have a chat, an honest and open chat to your vet about um, and clinic about where it's at financially and from the beginning because that really helps as well if we can all work together with an awareness of the situation. It's much better to say it at the beginning than the end and, yeah, especially if you know them well, you never know what you might be able to sort out. Definitely. So I think that is my, they're my main tips definitely for trying to manage vet fees and help to reduce some of the ongoing or expected costs. Mm-hmm. One of the topics that we covered briefly was insurance. And I think that really is worth having a bit of a 
deeper discussion on um so the pros the cons mm. our personal experiences which are quite different um <laughs> you know my experience and your experience is quite different so we can sort of go into that and, and some of the experience and feedback that we get from our our clients and and you know their experiences with their pets and that will be our next podcast yes so it's certainly want- a topic within itself isn't it it, it definitely is. And it's going to be, we're not talking about any particular company or business. We're not sponsored by anyone. No, but we just want to go through the pros and cons and, and what to expect and how to how to understand and look at an insurance plan and realise what's covered, what's not covered. Um, yeah, so. And, and if insurance isn't for you, which it might not be for everyone, what are your other options to getting sort of similar outcomes. So we'll chat about all that a bit more. Yep, perfect. All righty, well, that's us for now. Ciao. See you later. If you'd like to get to know us more, have any feedback, questions or any topics you'd like us to shoot the shit on, drop us a line. And if you've enjoyed listening, we'd appreciate you leave us a five-star review. Check out our socials and websites, drashlong.com.au and drcenacap.com.au. The website for Two Vets is coming soon, so keep an eye out. For all our Melbourneites, we'd love to see you at the Thornbury Veterinary Hospital and the Happy Dog Hub for all your veterinary grooming and wellness needs. See you later. Ciao.